Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome to the Claret Blue Christmas special. My name is Dan Rowlandson. I'm joined by my colleagues James Rushton and Matt Kendrick. Matt Kendrick, first of all, what is on your head? It's supposed to be Rudolph, but he can't. I can't get him to sit right. <laughs> Go on, take it off then. All right, you probably see it better now. Oh, you bald head. <laughs> Put it back on. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I like that you've made an effort. You've also got for the, for the uh, audio listeners, you've got a Christmas T-shirt on with uh, a yeah. reindeer on. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, nice. I've also gone for Christmas jumper, but one with like a, a more generic pattern on. James hasn't put any effort in because lazy. Hang on, no, I've got a lot of Villa shirts, and I picked that one that was specifically the Boxing Day Villa shirt that I always wear to the the Boxing Day Aston Villa match at, of course, Villa Park. So, okay, no. fine. So this is my Boxing Day shirt, and I just don't know why you you took a shot at me knowing that information. You knew that information. <laughs> oh yeah, just warning you. So, what we're going to do today? This is a Christmas special, in as much as Die Hard is a Christmas film. This episode is not going to be about Christmas in any way. We're just posting it on the 23rd of December. That's why it's a Christmas special. And this is our end of year kind of fun, happy-go-lucky episode. Unlike all our other very serious topics that we've covered this year uh, to round the year off very nicely. Now, I know Christmas is going to be different this year for all of us and everybody watching. Um, we're not going to have our elderly relatives around sitting by the fire telling us stories. Me and James thought, why not get our elder, elderly relative, Matt Kendrick, to sit us down on the podcast and share some stories this Christmas time for, for an hour or so. Now, Jack, Matt, you've been in journalism for 20 years, I think. Um, yeah, but you, you panked him here like kind of Uncle Albert. Of, well, that's uh, what I'm thinking of, yeah. I thought you were going to come on with the big Santa beard. During the war. Yeah, uh, what I'm thinking of, yeah. To be fair, yes. football goes fast, Matt, so I mean... All the stuff that you covered is, is ancient history, isn't it, really? That is true. Is, mate. I, I remember those sepia-tinted tent, pictures of the Martin O'Neill area, yeah? way back when. <laughs> I mean, you don't um, look yes. like over 60, mate, so... Don't That's very kind of you, mate, because I feel, feel like I'm about 86. Um, 21 years, mate, I've been... Uh, 21 years, and obviously you've been in the Midlands for, for a long time, been covering Villa, um, not day-to-day now, but a few years ago you did. So we've asked you to pick out 10 stories, and we've brought back the random mug of destiny... And we've got 10 titles is the only thing me and James have got. So each piece of paper is a title of a story. So we don't know what's coming here. I've looked at the titles and tried to kind of guess what the stories are about. And some of them are bizarre. I don't know what is coming here. Um, so we'll do. We'll go through them as random. We've got 10 stories. We'll probably branch off and go down usual tangents in our usual claret and blue fashion. Um, so I think that's our long-winded Christmas intro out of the way. Shall we start? Yeah, go on. What's, what's in the mug? What's in the mug of shame? What's in the mug? Okay. The first one is, have you been drinking Tim? I can't is that remember. Is Tim Sherwood? Have you forgotten what the story is? This is the story oh. of Cabbage Gate, how it, um, the, the inner workings oh. of a newsroom. Um, yes. So it's Preston at home in whatever year, month of whatever year it was, October 2018, was it? Something like that? Yeah, yeah. I think it's fair to say that Bruce is on the brink um, so much so that some bloke has gone to the, the Tesco up the road from Villa Park 
uh, before kickoff with a carrier bag and done his grocery shop. He said, I don't want this to paint me in a kind of prawn sandwich brigade light because I'm a man of the people. Oh, of course. But that night I was in the posh seats, um, <laughs> being wined and dined with my colleague Steve Wollaston by um, 32 Red, who were the, the sponsors at the time. Put on a lovely spread, by the way. Did that? Uh, <laughs> was, it, was it prawn sandwiches? It wasn't prawn sandwiches, but I can't, I can't remember what it was, but I didn't go hungry that night. So I'm sitting there, um, and the game's probably just kicked off a couple of minutes. And I get a phone call on my mobile, and it's Tim Eastope, um, who's our photographer, or who was Not our photographer. And he says, Matt, Matt, you at the game? You at the game? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, um, I'm here. I'm not really working. He said, oh, he said, I've got a brilliant picture. Someone just wanged a cabbage at um, at Steve Bruce. I'm like, have you been drinking, Tim? What what what's, what do you mean? Someone just wanged a cabbage at Steve Bruce. He said, honestly, I've got a photo of it. Someone's just kind of thrown a, a, a cabbage at um, Steve Bruce. And I was like, this is going to be a big enough match as it is anyway. We've got we've got Greg. I think it was Greg Greg Evans at the time. We've got Greg in the press box, and I just wanted to get on with drinking my food, my free drink. To be honest, yeah. But, of I said, listen, I can't just make an accusation and write that somebody has thrown a cabbage at Steve Bruce until you send me the, the photo. He's like, yeah, I've got I've got the picture. So, I'm, you know, here's me thinking it's going to be the picture flowing, you know, flying through midair and it kind of, you know, in like boxing films. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, all yeah. the faces are kind of like, all the lips and the spit going everywhere. So, uh, um, little did I know it was a photo that looks like it's, I mean, we've, we've all seen the photo. It looks like a cabbage yeah. on spot in their eyes it's like in this real kind of glitzy background <laughs> it, it lands or it's placed against the advertising hoarding but we didn't get this photo through to me until about 87 minutes into the match whether it was the wi-fi or whether we thought there were more important things to send to, photos to send through but if you remember that match it was just a kind of roller coaster wasn't it it was one of those mm-hmm. games where it reached kind of breaking point with bruce i think um People didn't know whether to, to cheer Villa goals or whether to cheer the equalisers or, or whatever it was. And then, and Whelan's, I think we've probably put the story live just at the time when Whelan's missed the penalty. You kind of, you know, boozing around Villa Park. We've got a message, <laughs> poor Greg. We've got a message to Greg saying, We've got this story that's going live about now. You need to ask Bruce in the press conference whether somebody <laughs> has thrown a cabbage at him. And he's like, Matt. Come on, stop winding me up. I've got enough. I've got enough to do. We're like, no, ask you. I think Bruce. It, it, what I've had to do, and this is this is this is the serious part of it. You know, as ridiculous as a kind of I don't know a, a salad vegetable or or whatever it is, whatever it is being thrown at a football manager is. It's still assault in a way. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's still a heavy object being launched towards another human being. So I've had to I've had to say to the guys. We know that somebody throwing a cabbage is funny, but let's play this as straight as we can. Let the cabbage do the work. Do you know what I mean? We don't need to whip it up. Says me, who writes the word grocery misconduct, I think, in some kind of Bruce obituary that I write the following day. Like you said, with the beautiful intro that you gave me, the, the old man, the old man mm. of the team. Not, I know it's a cliche, but not a great deal surprises me anymore in football. <laughs> But I love stuff like this. I love I the nonsense of football. I love the pantomime around the edges of it. You know, if football was just kind of 22 men running around kicking a ball. I think it'd be pretty boring. It, it sounds horrible. And I hope, you know, me and Steve Bruce have had our moments anyway. And I know I know we'll probably be watching this on Christmas Day. He's a big fan of, course, of the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't find it massively funny because it was Bruce. I just find it massively funny because of the absurdity of the situation. 
So yeah, there we go. Cabbage right. on your Christmas dinners, everybody. I was going to say, that was, that was my follow-up point, just to keep it Christmas-related. Do you put cabbage on a Christmas dinner? I don't like cabbage, personally. I don't really like Steve Bruce. I don't like cabbages, so not a story yeah, for Yeah, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Bruce. You only really have cabbage on a kebab, don't you? You don't really, <laughs> you don't really have it on a, on a Christmas dinner for me. Sprouts, parsnips, roast potatoes. Um, what about you, James? What, what's the uh, vegetable of choice in the Rushton household? My girlfriend asked me yesterday, is parsnip a vegetable? Because it's like, it's so good. Like, like roasted, it can't be a vegetable because I'd eat all it. You know, my whole plate would be full of these. I think carrots and parsnips are roasted nicely. No, no need. No, no, none of these sprouts, rubbish, man. No one likes them. I'll tell you what, this podcast is exactly what I pictured it was going to be. You, I was thinking, oh, these stories might be a bit quick fire. We spent seven minutes on the first one there. So, oh, I'm going to leave it there then. So, I've got the measure. Yeah, yeah I'm going to delve into the next one. Get the next one out of the mug. So, this one is called Mobbing and Sobbing. Yeah, this is probably the only serious one. We got him on, didn't we? A couple of weeks ago, Stillian Petrov, a field in Worcestershire on a Saturday afternoon. So Villa were playing away against Worcester City at Starport Swift at Walsh's Meadow in Starport. It was it was Stillian's comeback game. Uh, we didn't know till the last minute. Villa had split the team in half. Half were going to play Telford and half were going to play Worcester in Starport. Yeah. I think we sent Greg Greg Evans again to Telford. And I don't know if it was luck of the draw. I mean, I'm glad that I landed at, at Starport that day. Although the, the facilities were appalling. Um, and I don't mean that harsh to Starport because the bar was nice. And it, was like, it, was like a real, it was like a really lovely sunny day. 1,500 people gathered around the perimeter of the ground. I was live blogging it. And I think Woolly was back in the office again. And because I couldn't, there's nowhere to sit or to put your laptop. So I was live blogging it on my phone at various points, moving around the ground, kind of leaning on wheelie bins, all this kind of stuff. So I was trying to write notes, <clears throat> write notes and, and text off my phone. And because my phone's got crap battery, I'd got like three or four different phone charger packs. I'd like one of the Ghostbusters with all these things <laughs> hanging off me. Nice. It was the moment. It, Stan, Stan Petrov had been through the most ridiculous, remarkable story, as everybody knows, been told in great great depth. He's told it himself again to us in, in recent weeks. He played well. He looked no fitter or worse fit than others on the pitch, which was a credit to him considering yeah. what, what he'd been through. And then it was after the game. It was after the game. There was a, a kind of mass piss, piss invasion. <laughs> there was a lot of beer flowing. There was a mass... Pitch invasion, <laughs> just kind of go and swamp him, and that's where the sobbing and the mobbing came because yeah. it was such such a lovely moment. And by then, you know, me getting anywhere near to an Aston Villa player without a press office chaperone was <laughs> was unheard of. So I kind of battled my way in. I've still got a little bit of phone battery left, and we got the video of this of people, you know, probably. 50 people or more mm-hmm. just mobbing him and just kind of hugging him and you know saying thank you and wanting wanting selfies with him and it was just and we said this to Stan a couple of weeks ago it wasn't you know again with respect to Starport it wasn't the fitting arena for Stan for Stan Petrov's farewell I actually think it was as well yeah. in the same way because it was so kind of organic the way it came and it was just a kind of real moment of kind of pure respect and, and pure love. And Stan's wife, Paulina, was standing there with with the the two the two lads who were you know a little bit younger than we're talking about four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And you could just see the emotion 
on their faces, kind of little smiles, but you know, perhaps the odd tear as well, kind of real, real proud. Listen, they knew what what Stan Petrov meant to the the Villa fan base anyway, but to just see it there play out so beautifully in such a random setting, I just thought it was a it was a it was a really special moment and um, probably the last example of me actually doing some work. Yeah. To be honest, because I was covering the blog, I was, I was live blogging, I was writing match reports, I was doing player ratings by the side of a pitch, I was doing a bit of photojournalism on, on the pitch as well. And I think if you're going to capture a moment, you know, what, what a moment to capture, really. We all wanted to see Petrov on the pitch again, and he was technically, but, you know, the fans are distant, and now they're like, you can go around the pitch celebrating and clapping at the end of the season, but to be mobbed and like, celebrated in such a way is, you know, you can't buy that, can you? Into the mug again we go, because I'm, I'm just cautious of time now at this point. <laughs> the next one out of the list is Don't Worry Matt. Worried a lot because he... all his hair's gone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have worried a lot. But it's Aston Villa. Gerard Houdier, God God rest his soul. <laughs> you might need to beep some of this. I, mean, I think Gabby Bollahor still kind of refers to him as the head teacher because he actually put some rules in place and some of the footballers didn't like it. Anyway, he fell out with uh, a couple of players. I don't want to mention them, to be honest. Uh, people go back to the archives, they can probably find them. But um, You can mention yeah. them and we'll bleep. We'll dank them. Yes, so you <laughs> won't. We'll leave them in. Guess who you think they are? Richard Dunn and James Collins? No. Gabby and Delph? No. You can oh. leave them in and I can tell you who they are. Oh, I was down at Bodymore one afternoon for a just to interview him. I don't know why, but I interviewed him in reception for some reason, rather than um, rather than in the in his office that that day. And uh, and there's only me there, rather than the guy from the Express and Star, Tim Abraham, who's a, a big mate of mine. He used to cover Phillips the Express and Star back then. And um, the guys in question were Habib Bay and Stephen Warnock. So I sat down and interviewed Julio, got him, got his thoughts on whatever the next match was, yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera. I think I touched upon the subject of one or both of them because they weren't in the team or they weren't in the squad. You know, he'd, he'd gone off on this kind of like monologue kind of rant about how their standards weren't good enough and you've got to be good enough. You know, you've got to set the right example to play for Aston Villa uh, and it's about respecting the shirt and all this kind of thing. And, you know, if they don't, don't address their deficiencies that, you know, they're not going to have a future at Aston Villa. Fairly kind of, you know, standard, but strong stuff. You know, as a journalist, you you, you see that and you're always like, you think, oh, brilliant, we'll have some of that. <laughs> and um, so I wrote that, you know, back page of the mail, whatever it was, kind of, you know, boss aims blast at kind of Villa duo, et cetera, et cetera. I just remember rocking up at Villa Park for the, for the next game, a couple of days later. Brian Dugan, who was the, the press officer then, and... I've got a feeling we might come back to the subject of Brian Dugan in one of the later questions. Needless to say, we had a quite, quite fractious relationship. And uh, he comes over and, you know, with a glint in his eye and says, Matt, Matt, the, the, manager's, uh, the manager's not happy with you. He needs to, he's not happy with that piece that you wrote. He wants to see you after the game. And I was like, oh, God. And I'm probably a little bit fearful, but more kind of, you know, if your parents, you know, I'm not angry with you, I'm disappointed. I didn't, didn't want to. I didn't want to disappoint Uncle Gerard, really. I thought, well, what have I done? You know, if it's that, if it's that piece, he said it all. Do you know what I mean? Don't shoot the messenger. Um, so anyway, the game comes and goes. I can't even remember what the result was or whatever it was. But um, I don't know if you know the layout of, 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 I think you guys do, but the layout of, of Villa Park or previously then in terms of the press room in the in the Trinity. So you come in by the side of the, the north stand and... Mm-hmm. The manager has to come up the, the stairs from the tunnel area and the dressing room area, walk up the stairs. So 
did his press conference and he didn't say anything to me in the press conference, Julia. So, well, he answered the questions or whatever as normal. <laughs> I expecting him to, to give me a bit of a dressing down if I'd upset him in the presser. Um, but he got more class than that. Some managers would. Some managers would dig you out in the presser and try and embarrass you in front of your peers. Julia either had forgotten. <laughs> or, or, so I chased him. I chased him out of the room and down the corridor, down the stairs. And uh, I said to him, oh, Gerard, um, I understand that, that that something I've written has upset you. Was it was it the piece about about Bay and Warnock? And, uh, he just grabs me. You know, he makes a grab for me. I thought, oh, God, he's, what's he going to do? We're going to be attacked by a He grabs my arm really gently, like really, really reassuring and comforting, and says, uh, taps it and says, I'm not going to do the accent, but he says, oh, don't worry, Matt. They're a pair of fuckers anyway. Think, <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. You know, so there's me kind of stressing that I'm going to get the world's biggest him. And, um, you know, just... Just puts me at my ease. So I don't know whether he did have a problem with that story anyway. Um, whether it, whether he mentioned it and the press officer thought I'm going to scare Matt. Yeah. Um, but it was just I don't know. It just feeds into just like kind of my working relationship with Julia, and it's probably because I probably get on with managers who are, who are only there a season or less uh, before you get to annoy them. I don't have as much scope to to annoy them though. Um, but, you know, we did the tri- tribute to him recently, um, probably a little bit ahead of his time with what he tried to do with Villa, tried to do it a little bit too quickly. Um, but the fact of the matter was that he always kind of conducted himself with with grace, with respect, with politeness. Uh, I think that comes from, A, being an elder gentleman, and B, just being a, a thoroughly nice bloke. I can imagine that in a French accent as well. For some reason, that's better. Yeah, I'm not yeah, going to do it. Just coming out of Julia's mouth, is just, it's funny. It's just... <laughs> yeah. No, what, what a bloke. Next one out is singing to a signing. Again, the Julia era this was. And, oh, great, um, great point out the book for me. I had to keep them in order. Yeah, the, it was the, the Darren Bent record um, record transfer. It, it seemed to be the kind of shot in the arm that Villa needed because there was the talk that O'Neill had gone, you know, had our glory days or our chances of knocking on the door of Europe gone. We all know in hindsight they had. But, but the moment that Bent signed... We just thought, blimey, 18 million quid, 18 million quid. Randy Lerner's still serious here. And mm. we know that Villa's situation in the league forced their hand because it wasn't a vintage season. And, you know, I think Randy Lerner's made that investment to make sure he's protected Villa's Premier League investment by keeping Villa in the Premier League. It seemed like a big deal. And the Darren Bent signing always hark back to imagine if Darren Bent had been signed by O'Neill. Because for all Gabby and Carew's goal scoring during that era, I don't think either of them would have scored more than 12 or 13. But yes, yeah, so Darren Bent has signed um, on the, the Thursday or Friday. He's played on the, the Saturday and beat Man City, haven't we? And, we'll yeah, beat good, it? and he was just like, buzzing a little bit down in the in the mix zone. So I went down to the, the mix zone and for the uninitiated, the mix zone is or was the bit of velvety rope that separates the, the haves from the have-nots. And down at Villa, you, again, you've got the dressing room area and you've got that bit at the bottom of the stairs from the, the press from the press lounge. Back in the olden days, maybe not quite as far back as then, in fact, but every player used to walk through and you'd have the right to stop any player 
it's up to them whether they'd stop or whether they'd put the headphones on and pretend they hadn't heard you or do the Jack Grealish when he arrived at court the other day and be on the phone um, so nobody bothers you. So down in, down in the mix zone, I don't think any, everybody came through. I think they put Bent up because he, he'd scored the goal. And um, what was the song? Because basically he came down and I was buzzing for some reason. And I started singing to him. And I think, was it na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na? Darren, Darren, Ben, Darren, Ben. Or was it a different one? Was it? If you remember that song off the top, top of your head, it's like the one that come out. Yeah, of your I think I sang the wrong one at the time. But surely, would we have had two songs for Darren Bent when that was his? Well, that's what I mean. I think there's something else. I think I must just made that up on my head. Did you walk no. off in disgust after that? He yeah, said, "That's not my song, Matt." Can you yeah. sing the song? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he actually enjoyed it, and that was the start of a beautiful relationship. <laughs> <laughs> he always used to get on. He always used to get on well. Well, with Darren Bent, I think he realised he was dealing with a dickhead. Uh, and I think, in that sense, um, I mean, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what, uh, yeah. I don't know why you would think that. But in that sense, he was always, he was always really good. And we'll, we'll probably touch on on Darren Bent again. Um, with a, <laughs> God, story, God, right? yes. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh my God, you can't make it up, can you? The other Darren oh. Bent story, because I'm conscious that I'm rambling. But, We've got um, loads in here, mate. Can we hurry up? It's on, oh my quickly, God. During um, pre-season, we went to we went to Philadelphia on a, as part of the, the pre-season tour. And um, I remember being there when Darren Bent and, and Fabian Dell kind of raced up the rocky steps. But all I can remember is they were still around when I tried it. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like gasping like a heavy breather. <laughs> and I just remember them both taking the pee out of me. Um, which again, well, that's a, that'd be hard though. I think, it, I think it was a, affectionate. I mean, Christ knows what they'd have done if they'd have seen me kind of chopping logs or whatever else Rocky does in that montage. <laughs> Excellent. The next one is Heaven is a Place on Earth. <laughs> this was on karaoke with Paul Faulkner. Oh God! <laughs> How did you get into this situation? Not, not there's, there's not a great deal more to the story than that. Okay. Other than it was a player of the year award. I can't remember what year it was. I don't think I was intending to stay and have a drink. I think I'd, I'd driven, but I ended up abandoning my car. Oh um, yeah, in the whole ten. I know. Yeah, I ended up abandoning my car in the whole ten car park, and it's that one where. Dad, can you give me a lift to Villa Park tomorrow morning? I've got to, uh, I've got to go get my car back. Um, but yeah, we'd just had a few drinks. In um, it's bizarre because I used to get on real, yeah, you know, I still do get on, get on really well with Paul Faulkner, and I go for a drink with him occasionally. But I don't think we'd ever normally end up down. Um, is it the Tap and Spoil off Broad Street? Do you know the one down by the canal? You go downstairs, it backs onto the canal. Yeah, um, I know you mean. So, so it was just that. That's the story, pretty much. Got drunk at Player of the Year. Myself, Paul Faulkner. Um, do you know Lisa Smith, who yeah, used yeah. to work for work for for Birmingham Post, Birmingham Mail, um, and Nicola Key used to be the ticket office manager at, at Villa Park. Ended up getting a taxi, I think, to from Villa Park to the Tap and Spile, <laughs> singing on karaoke. But that was the song, a bit of Belinda Carlisle. And I think we absolutely nailed it, to be honest. Yeah. I, think we were, I think we were brilliant. Well, I just remember at the time thinking how surreal it was that you kind of, you know, you were still the, the CEO back then. I can't imagine, if Villa had been going through a terrible time that then, I could imagine, you know, people throwing tomatoes and stuff. At- yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if you're watching, Paul, when when we're allowed, we'll, we'll, we'll get get the mics back out and see what other um, see what other Belinda Carlisle classics we can murder. <laughs> I love that. 
There's a story and I'm waiting to come out of this mug. There's only one I definitely know is in here. I cannot wait. We've heard bits of it before. I can't wait till you tell it in full. <laughs> it isn't this one. This one is three in a bed. Oh, dear. Where are we going I mean, with this, where, Paul Faulkner and Lisa Smith? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know whether that can buy the cut. Um, <laughs> three in a bed. Are you aware of the boring reputation of Mr. James Milner? Yes. Back then, so we're probably talking 2008. Well, I mean, it sounds a long time ago now. We used to do features for the Sunday Mercury. And because the Mercury came out on a Sunday, there's a clue in the name. We used to try and do something that wasn't match-related. So you'd do something, um, you know, you'd, you'd try and go- get to the fourth place of Google to find something interesting about football. Or, you know, they wouldn't have had in- Instagram then. So you'd have to try and kind of find like a quirky hobby or something something stupid. Found out that, um, that Milner is a massive darts fan. Um and I think he played like exhibition matches against uh, Phil Taylor. Other leading darts players are available. And um, our um, my editor at the time on on the Mercury, a, go, by, a guy called uh, Lee Gibson. It was a Sunday paper, so they used to try and whip things up a little bit. <laughs> and he um, just put this headline. It, well, not even the headline. It was just a kind of little bit of a splash on the back page to taste the feature that was inside. Yeah, and. Um, and he put something like Milner in Milner in three in three in a bed. Not shame up, but it's some Milner loves three in a bed or something like that. And then and it was just like that's how he relaxed away from football, playing darts. And it was like the most innocent James Milner story you can ever imagine. But we whipped it with this three in a bed thing. And then I get the kind of curly finger from the press officer again, summoning summoning me saying, um, you know, James is really upset about this. We we know it was meant in, in good fun or whatever, but it doesn't doesn't portray the kind of image that James Milner wants to portray. And you know, he nearly choked on his breakfast when he uh, <laughs> when he saw the paper. So could you could you go and apologise to him? So again, it's at the, at the training ground, and you know, he do, he didn't tap me on the wrist and say there are a pair of beeps anyway. <laughs> um, but it was just like that squirming moment where he didn't really care. He just, I think he just wanted me to kind of feel a little bit awkward about it. So I was like, kind of, listen, James, I'm, I'm sorry about this. You know, if you read the feature, it just talks about your love of darts and stuff. You know, my sub-editor's gone a little bit over the top with that. And he just kind of, I think he kind of half glared and half smiled and, uh, and we, we let that be it. But, um, yeah, there's not, again, there's not, not a great deal more to that story other than, uh, dodgy sub to whipping it up to, to more than it should be. Another interesting one, not the one I'm waiting for. This is, you might want to go somewhere else, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah, That's for our uh, viewers, if they're going to get me tired. Good boy. Um, this was on tour in Hong Kong. Just briefly, before I get to the story, because it's, it's only a very quick story. It's not that great. I don't know whether it deserved to make the cut, but I was struggling while then. Because the time difference, Villa were tr- Villa on the, the um, brink of signing Charles and Zobbia. Oh, what's and, uh, uh, Yeah, well, you, you say that, but at the time, people were saying, just get him signed, because Dave Whelan was kind of haggling over the fee and, you know, Villa wouldn't pay the extra half a million, and people were just saying, "Just get him signed." Because he was, I think, he had he saved saved Wigan from relegation. I think the, the year before. Yeah. Um, 
and it was, he said, I was a younger man then, and I used to go like to go out for a drink. And uh, I'd got half the story. So I'd kind of, I've got, McLeish had already arrived then, and I got McLeish's number and uh, got on quite well with McLeish. I texted him saying, you know, and he, he was staying behind for a, a couple of days. It was his daughter's graduation before, so he didn't fly out with the rest of the, the squad. And I said to him, um, I said, how close is in, in Zogbia? He said, oh, Matt, it's just a matter of kind of dotting the I's and crossing the T's. And it, it's done, but we just need to get things sorted. I said, well, do us a favour then. Can you can you give me some quotes about what he'll bring? And just so I've got a story ready to go for when he mm. arrives, for when it's done. So he said, yeah, yeah, you know, kind of all the superlatives that you can imagine that were Good false. Blah, 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 blah. Top, top all the false promises you can imagine. So I wrote half the story sent it to our desk so they could get it on the page and said, look, this is going to go through in a couple of hours, but what I'll need to do is send you the first four or five paragraphs, you know, length of contract, you know, when it was completed, blah, 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 fee, all these kind of things. <laughs> so this is not the story. I'll get to the story in a minute. So I, sent the, so I sent this story and then I went out on the lash and it was, you know, I'm not na- named off for the sake of it, but it was Ian Taylor and Dion Dublin. Dion Dublin was over there with Barclay Card. So he was doing yeah. some kind of prom- I think the tournament might have been sponsored by Barclay Card. Yeah, I think it was. So, we, so we've got a bar. He, you know, he got the kind of corporate corporate credit card. He was getting all the drinks in. Oh wow! And then all of a sudden, so I've had a few. All of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, I've kind of thought, "Crap! I've never sent the first half. I've lost track of what the time difference is. <laughs> I've not sent the first half of that story. I've got a text message, and this was pre WhatsApp, and I don't get it out email on my phone. So I'm about ten points in. And I've had to write the first six or seven paragraphs <laughs> on a beer mat. I've <laughs> <laughs> to text it in predictive text, like drunk. So Christ knows, Christ knows what fee I've said or what length of contract I've said. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, I've filled a bit of space there because the well, not that we needed to, but McLeish had got a fairly strict-ish regime because he was the new manager with the players, and he wanted yeah. to make or the pre-season, everybody's fit and stuff like that. Um, I think he let the, let the players out one night. Um, fine. Or I think he let them have a drink in the hotel one night. But on another night, I was out going for a drink to meet Paul Faulkner um, somewhere else in town. And all the players had sneaked out again. Uh, and they were in, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever been to Hong Kong, but this is part of really seedy part of Hong Kong. Hong Kong called Wan Chai and um, it's proper it's proper grim it's a good night out but it's proper proper seedy and um, I just walked past the bar and I saw Luke Young at the window and everybody and then I saw I think I saw Gabby and another couple of others and as they saw me walking past they all kind of tried to turn (laughs) so they didn't want the local press man to see me to see them and uh and I just wandered up because Luke Young was still there like, hiding behind a pint glass or something. I was like, oh, oh you, Luke, how are you? And he's like, oh, Matt, Matt, don't say anything. I said, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stitch you up. I'm not like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a dirty grass, but just to warn you, the chief executive is about, you know, if you're going to keep drinking, go up the hill rather than yeah, down yeah. the hill because the chief executive and the head of communications and et cetera, et cetera, are down there. Um, so, Basically, that was it. I kind of said to him, "You keep to yourself. We'll go this way." And then, like the night as the night went on, I think we all, like the the CEO, the head of communications, half the squad, 
<laughs> you gravitated back towards one of these seedy, this seedy bar anyway. And I'm thinking, like, well, I warned you. Um, yeah. But I, I think they got away with it anyway. I think McLeish needed to make friends then anyway. So I don't think he was going to start dishing out kind of, you know, two-week fines and stuff like that. But, um, oh, the glory days when you could... Um, I don't know what you could do, really. Drink drink with the CEO, I suppose. Paul Fortnite comes up a lot. He's like your best mate. Like, isn't oh, yeah. Like three, three or four times. He's had a side mention. Oh, sorry, with Paul Fortnite. We did this and that. Yeah, me and Paul, busy mates, you know. <laughs> Should have been on the board, really. It'd have all been a lot different. <laughs> the next one out, the uh, the mug of destiny. This is must be pre-season related as well, because Texas isn't in Villa Park. The Texas team talk. Uh, Texas team talk. Um, Still waiting um, for that one store, Rue. We've only got two left. That would have been the... What year did they go to, to Texas? 2013? Was, was there? That was the days when, when Birmingham Live and Birmingham Mail had a budget because they sent me and Woolley, me and Steve Wollaston, across to Texas, which, oh. would, which would have been great if we hadn't have been banned from having any access whatsoever. <laughs> To any of the any of the players or any of the manager, so um, you just went on holiday with Steve, basically. Well, I did yeah, but we worked really hard. It was ridiculous because because we we weren't getting any access. We wanted to do as good a job as we could, telling stories in a different way. The first first day we got there, um, where would it be? It would be Dallas, I think. It might be FC Dallas, um, and the <laughs> the club the. We'd fallen out with Lambert, um, and no. the, believe it or not, we'll come to that in a minute. We'd restricted, um, we'd restrict, we got restricted access, but we knew that we were doing a, a question answer session with the fans. So I knew like, loads of the fans' leaders. We'd done loads of content and features around them, and I kind of equipped them with questions. So I said, when you go in, ask them about this, this, and this. They got a brilliant contract line out of Fabian Delph saying, "Oh yeah, I'm going about to sign a new contract and stuff like that." So, the moral of the story is you don't ever really need a journalist to go go and ask a question; just put the fans up to it. Anyway, because we're doing all these types of content, different types of content, where there was a fans game, um, and it was absolutely boiling. And um, Lee Hendry was over there as the ambassador for Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing some of the kind of meet and greets and stuff like that. And I actually think Tiles was supposed to go, but because he'd done a brutal column about Lambert um, in our paper, I think Lambert had stopped him going. That might that might be wrong, but I think that was the plan anyway. Wow. So we play this game, and um, I'm two stone heavier than I am now, and I'm squeezing squeezing this this top on. Lee Hendry's playing, and like, for some reason, I mean, I'm I'm left footed. I'm a left back by trade and I can't move and I end up playing right wing. And Lee Henry, Lee Henry starts playing these like, you know, beats, beats four players and then threads a, a kind of inch perfect pass to me. And I'm gasping again, uh, like I've run up the steps in Philadelphia. And um, it's just, it's just shocking, basically. A, football, a gifted footballer next to an oath. Uh, anyway, at half time, Woody says, I tell you what'd be good. Why don't you, you do this kind of really brutal team talk? I think um I might, might be wrong, but I think Jimmy Bullard Jimmy Bullard had done the old celebration of um mm. do you remember when yeah. when um whatever his name was, Phil what was his name, the manager? Phil Park. No, not Phil Parkinson. Phil Brown. Phil, Phil Brown. Brown done that thing. So <laughs> 
we might you might have this on file, but there's this kind of team talk. And bearing in mind, I'm the fattest, sweatiest kind of out of jack mech of all of them. And I'm going around and battering them. And everybody, including Henry, like telling them how crap they are and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and there's this one kid, and he's a mate of my, he's the son of my mate, Java, um, really nice lad. And I'm absolutely laying into him just for comedy effect. And I'm just thinking, have I gone too far? <laughs> I've gone too far. Yeah. Too far when you're throwing a boot off his head, yeah? <laughs> yeah, but, he, but the thing is, like, so the, all, all our readers are expecting us to have this kind of exclusive kind of blow-by-blow content from Texas. And there's just kind of me and Woolly messing around, shouting at Lee Hendry and destroying some kid's spirit. How many have we got left? We've got two left. So, so one of these is going to be a really good one as well. Yeah, yeah so one of you've waited long enough. Yeah, <laughs> and we're going to have to wait until <laughs> the final <laughs> one, because the one I'm thinking of is last. This one is Black Eye Boy. Did you batter? No, I didn't batter. Did he throw a boot <laughs> off his face? <laughs> this, was, um, this, predates, this predates my career. Um, oh, so sack it off then, really? <laughs> We only wanted to know the good stuff, Matt. There's a good clip on it, if you can find it. There's two, there's two occasions where I've had kind of warm handshakes from, from Villa Villa chairman. This one was, I was down on the front of the, the Holt End when Holt End was a standing area. I think I'd have been about 16 or 17. I think I'd have that yellow um, Villa top on, um, mm. the Villa third top on. <laughs> and um, for some reason, well, I remember why, I'd, I'd just discovered going out with my mates. Um, and for some reason, I'd got into a fight. Who'd have thought it? I'd talked my way into a fight and then couldn't couldn't back it up. And somebody had swung for me and given me a, given me a black eye. And I think I pretended to me, mum and dad, that it, it happened in training on a Saturday morning um, with, you know, I'd had an elbow when I'd been, I'd been football training and stuff like that. When I hadn't, I'd actually been battered for, you know, because I'd been out drinking kind of, I don't know, 2020 and cans of special brew or something when I shouldn't, shouldn't have been. And uh, so I've been trying to downplay this as much as possible. And then it makes it, it it's immortalised forevermore, this black eye, because I'm on this Villa video called um, Chapter and Verse. I think you might be able to nick a little bit of it if I can dig dig the thing out. But I'm at the front of the whole end. I've got the worst curtain haircut you could ever have. Have I not shown you this before? I don't think, I think so. so. Yeah, I've got I remember what you can ever imagine. I've got a black eye. I'm at the front of the Holt End, and Doug Ellis is doing a tour. He's doing a walk around the Holt End. So I burst to the front and shake his hand, and then you see me move across again to go in for a second handshake from Doug Ellis. And I think it was just because, like, it was just because I was trying to keep. For some reason, I was trying to keep my black eye on a down low. Then I decided that I wanted to be the centre of attention. But that was that was how sad me and my mate Gaz were back at the time. Um, that we bought our we bought our season tickets in a position where you got the crappiest view of the ground, the pitch, but you could always be on ma- match of the day celebrating <laughs> gold. Um, wow! So, but the other the other handshake was when O'Neill left. I kept being on, I kept going on at Paul Fulton saying, "We need when's Randy coming over?" Because I know you know I understand there's going to be kind of crisis meetings. When's he coming over? We need to get a photo of him. Just, you know, so to save us kind of camping outside Villa Park or Bodymore for the next two weeks, can you let us know when he's there? And we can get the photo, we can be on our way, and it's done. And he said, all right, Matt, keep this, keep this to yourself, but we've got a meeting in the Holt pub at 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning. Randy will be there. Um, you can get him walking into the into the pub and then go away, leave us alone. It's an important decision we've got to make. Go away, leave us alone. So I've said this to our photographer 
thinking, and it's Tim again, Tim Easter, Cabbage Gate man, thinking, yeah, Tim, Tim's very discreet. <laughs> he'll get there, he'll take a photo, and he'll be gone. It's spread. So Tim has told all the press pack. So Sky are there, all the photographers are there, all the nationals are there. Um, my desk has said, well, if everybody's there, you might as well go and live blog it. So I'm sitting, you know, there used to be some picnic tables outside the Holt pub, and I know there still are. Yeah, I'm yeah. sitting there tapping away on live blog. You know, it's crucial time for Villa. They're holding crisis meetings to today, blah, 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 to try and find the successor. And then, so Randy Lerner comes out of the Holt suite with Paul Faulkner, walks across the car park to the Holt pub. As he gets up, I shake his hand and greet him. Uh, Paul Faulkner, I know, know Randy a little bit, but not much. So Paul Faulkner kind of introduces me properly and, and, and says, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and um, so 10 minutes later, the press officer, Brian Dugat, comes out and he's absolutely fuming. He's absolutely spitting at me saying, how dare you? What are you doing here? What are you doing? Get off this property now. And I said, well, I can get off, Brian, but I'm halfway through tapping out something. <laughs> I'm halfway through a live blog, so if I'm to move now, I'm going to just have to say why I'm moving because you know. And he said, "Well, you know," he said, "No, you're going to have to go now." So he chases me to my car, and I'm still tapping away on the live blog in my car. And I said, "Brian, can I just finish? I'll be five minutes. Can I finish off here?" And then we're done. He said, "No, get off the land, like some kind of angry farmer." So <laughs> I'm tapping away, and I'm, I've said. Uh, you know, sorry, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to see service of this blog for a couple of minutes because I'm just being thrown off Villa Park <laughs> by Aston Villa head of communications Brian Dugan, despite the fact I've just received a warm handshake from the chairman. And um, so, it's, so I'm doing, and it's petty from me. And hopefully, I've grown up a little bit since then. But I was, you know, I'd got permission to be there. You know. <laughs> And I said, I said to Brian, listen, he said, what are you doing? How did you know about this? And I said, well, if you don't know, you know, it's not, it's not my problem. You know, I've got permission to be here. Um, and I just thought it was, um, God, I'm, so, I'm such a petty little child, but I just thought it was, was funny that I'd been chased off Villa Park by an angry press officer at a, at a day where Randy Lerner, shaking my hand, played on Sky News. All day, it's like I'm because Sky don't know no no I am, so it's like I'm kind of an agent or some kind of advisor, or being one new owner. Hardly dressed as new manager, Matt Kendrick. Um, so yeah, that that was uh, what was the what was the question? Uh, that was black eyed boy. Yeah, so it kind of uh, it deviated a little bit, but yeah, no black eyes in that second story. But uh, <laughs> Brian Dugan didn't throw punches. Um, Correspondent, so, he wrote Joe Calzaghi's uh, biography. Says, "I'm um, good to be intro punching." Anyway, wow. yeah. Anyway, last one. And now, little spoiler alert before I bring it out. This isn't a Martin O'Neill story, and there hasn't been a single Martin O'Neill story in the whole ten, which I'm surprised about. I thought there'd be a few in there. Yeah, we've, we've done our legal black line. <laughs> we've done our legal training, haven't we? Simple. <laughs> Simple. So, okay, so the last one. And the one I've been waiting for for this whole podcast, the whole reason oh. this podcast exists is to get more information about this story. This is a good one, isn't the it? The title for it is not anything to do with the story I first thought. The title is On His Hands and Knees. <laughs> so why is that <laughs> the title? Is the best one, isn't it? Why that's the title at some point. So tell the story. You've I've told bits it. of it here and there, but you've never told it in a it. fully fleshed five or six minute ramble. Oh, right, on my okay. first day when Steve told me this, like, I. I, gen- I was genuinely in stitches. Like I, I was, was in tears. Like, I was in pain. Yeah. 
All right, well, let's put the disclaimer in that this doesn't still... Well, does it show me in a good light? light? I don't know. I'm past caring. So let's, let's rewind to the end of the 2012-13 season. And Aston Villa have just stayed up. It's been a relegation slog. It's Paul Lambert's first season. It's been a relegation slog. There's been glimmers of gold in there, you know, notably Christian Benteke, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Villa stayed up by virtue of... Wigan, A, won the FA Cup on Saturday, on the Saturday, beating Man City. By the time they played on the Tuesday night against Arsenal, I think it was, I think they were burnt out. uh, And they lost that game and were relegated. Um, And Villa stayed up. So throughout the course of the season, me and Paul Lambert had had a very um, tense, I don't know, tiffs, I suppose. It was just kind of nonsense, spats over stuff, really. My theory is that O'Neill put a bit of poison down for me because O'Neill didn't like me towards the end. But over time, I think Lambert, I think Lambert learned to hate me in his own right, um, regardless of what what had been said. Just been a couple of spats really throughout the throughout the season. There's the one at, at Millwall that lost to Bradford in the semi final of the League Cup, and then they'd gone to Millwall on the Friday and lost there as well. Mm. And because we'd kind of the front page had put, you know, the front page after Bradford had been shame and disgrace. Mm. And this and all former Villa players saying how poor it was that Villa had wasted this opportunity to win silverware and stuff. So on the Friday, Lambert had um, he blanked me completely. He wouldn't answer any questions whatsoever. Uh, so he'd take a question from another journalist and then I'd ask something like, you know, what's up, what's up with Nathan ha- Nathan Baker's hamstring and he'd kind of blank me like some kind of sulky, sulky kid. Anyway, that's just a bit of backdrop to what it was like. So he'd waited until Villa was safe Um and he hadn't invited me in his office all year. Um, I think it was the first manager during my time. So I'm talking talking O'Neill, Julier, McLeish, um, you know, caretaker managers who hadn't invited me or the local press for a once weekly briefing. It was a bit of an honour to be invited into his office, albeit I knew what was coming. And uh, it summoned me the day off. I remember that Wigan had stayed up on the Tuesday and I got a call from the press officer, Brian Dugan, summoning me on the Wednesday, saying, you've got to be here at this time. I said, well, I haven't because it's my day. <laughs> it's my day off. It's my day off. I've got, um, you know, I've got my kids to, to look after. So we'll have to wait. I'll come the following day. Uh, and I knew what was coming anyway. So I thought I might as well park it for another day. It would have been a Thursday morning. I knew I was going to get, you know, strips torn off me. Um, and I thought, do I do I do I take somebody in with me? Do I take like a shop steward or, or somebody to to look after me? And I thought, no, Matt. I thought, just you know, grow up, Matt. Go on, go in there on your own. You can look after yourself. And my fear was that that um, that the manager and the press officer were going to kind of tag team tag team and kind of you know have a go at me each of them. But um, so I walk in, and the office has changed configuration a little bit. The feng shui clearly didn't suit Lambert, so we got this desk really high up. So the manager's desk was up here. And the desk opposite him was down here, so that's already kind of telling you the the hierarchy here. Straight away, I think I've, I think my buttocks have barely touched the seat, and he's just launched into this kind of massive rant. He's got this pile of papers in front of him, and subsequently I learned that those papers are my tweets, my <laughs> stories. You know, he got through a print, he got through a kind of printer cartridge there worth of stuff. Before I went in, I said to myself, "Don't laugh." <laughs> and don't cry. And I was kind of within five minutes. I, I was kind of either crying with laughter or laughing, laughing with you know, le, you know, kind of nervous laughter. He starts screwing these things up 
like this piece of paper. He starts scrabbling them up and like launch not at me, but launch them around the room. And he's kind of he's ranting, and then the veins are bulging. And he's he's going, why the have you done this? And why the have you done that? And if only you knew. And he starts throwing it around. And I kind of, you know, and I said before, I thought the press officer was going to start laying into me as well. I remember glancing across to him, and he was like. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyway, 10 minutes into this proper kind of hairdryer rant, he starts choking. Not choking, choking. <laughs> That's like Joffrey in Game of Thrones. Not, yeah. not the Heimlich manoeuvre choking, but kind of, oh, my God. So, he goes out and gets a glass of water. And um, I turn and look at Brian, and Brian Dugan, and Brian's like, I didn't know, Matt. I knew he was, I knew he was angry, but I didn't know this was going to happen. Anyway, he comes back in, and it's not calmed him down at all. And he he, he launches into part two again. And um, but by now, he's run out of things to kind of to screw up and throw around. But he's trying to return to the points that he made initially. So he's like scrabbling around on his hands and knees, trying to find these screwed up pieces of paper. And he's like, <laughs> you know, on one something about I've written about Darren Bent or something. And I'm like, I'm thinking. I think you threw that one down there. <laughs> but so, look, this, this, this is a 20 minute rant. In all seriousness, he's swearing at me and he's saying, Why the F have you done this? And why the F? And I said, Listen, Paul, I don't mind you having a go at me or taking stuff out on me. But if you're going to ask me questions, at least have the courtesy to let me answer. Mm. So, after 20 minutes, I kind of get my word, I get a word in edgeway. You know, he's saying things like, um, like the Darren Bent thing, you know, because I've I, I bonded with with Bent over my, my singing. Yeah. Um, he said stuff like, um, you know, Bent's either off the record or I think he's, he's stopped and given me a couple of kind of, you know, what's the word, you know, unofficial interviews. He shouldn't have stopped because he was persona non grata, but he's decided to stop and tell his story. So he... I'm not naive. Bent's laid it, laid it on a bit thick to say, oh, Matt, I'm first in at training. I'm last off. You know, I've been super disciplined, super professional, but the manager's just, he's just not having me. And like Lambert saying, oh, if only you knew, if only you knew Darren Bent this, and if only you knew about that player. And I said, well, why don't you tell me? You know, you're the manager. You know, you, these players who you clearly want out the door who aren't going to be here very long. You're the manager. I'm the local reporter. Why don't you tell me? I'm not after your PIN number. I'm just after some basic information. Um, so we had a good chat, to be fair. It cleared the air. I think we left with a handshake. And I thought that wasn't very pleasant, but that, that's actually been really, really encouraging. And then the last game of the season, I sat on the front row at the press press box, the, sorry, the press room, I think it was at Wigan, I think. And he was very polite, answered my questions, blah, blah, blah. And then, <laughs> then the uh, next time I saw him was in Germany in some field. I think Villa played two or three second division, third division teams in Germany. And I wandered over to him at the end of the game. And um, Jack Woodward had done his five minutes of chatter for the club club TV, for AVTV. And I said, oh, Paul, um, you know, could I just get, get a five-minute chat with you just to get some pre-se- pre-season stuff in my pad? And he just glared at me and said, no, Matt, we're not doing, we're not doing any, any, you know, I'm not doing anything with you this, this week. And I was like a bit, you know, I thought we were busy mates after after I actually the air talks. I said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, can I speak to any of the players?" He said, "No, no, nobody's nobody's speaking to you all this week." <laughs> and I thought, and this is this is this is the the irony of it all. We'd got um, I've got a double page spread to film every single day 
in the paper throughout that tour. Company had paid for me to be in Germany, put me up in a hotel, pay for my travel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that very next day, and that was the day it did it for me. That I didn't mind him ranting at me, but once we'd had what I thought was a grown-up conversation, mm. we cleared the air, we'd kind of set some parameters. You know, don't ask me this, but I'll tell you this. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, it really did it for me. And the thing that was the that led the coffee was because I. I know to be resourceful and never to assume that the football club is going to give you anything. The next day's paper, I'd got a double page spread with, because we're in Germany, the, co- the, the the course leader who had done his coaching badges with and a German female football coach who'd been on, on the course with him saying how brilliant a coach he was, what a brilliant man he was, how he was going to do, be brilliant for Aston Villa, you know, how the sun was shining out of his backside. So my response to him, blanking me completely in a field in the middle of nowhere, was to give the best character reference ever pay <laughs> spread. And I just thought, okay, that's the last time, unless you earn it, that's the last time that I write something nice about you. Yeah. And there was scope because Villa would have gone on and beaten Liverpool away after that. You know, that have been, you know, that have battered Sunderland. There was some, there were some, listen, I'm not, you know, juvenile enough to say there weren't some good moments under Paul Lambert and yeah. there weren't some, you know, he, he didn't have his hands tied behind his back because he, he did to a certain degree. Um, but it was just, uh, yeah, it was... Um, <laughs> Put it this way: when he um, when he left on that in that February two thousand and fifteen, there weren't too many tears shed in the in the Kendrick household that day, and I took great delight in giving him a little boot out the door. Nice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> did did any of them connect with you? Was it just in your general area that he was throwing them? Too far down. Reach me. Uh, I don't think one hit me. You know, if I'd have, if I left there reeling, you know, with a paper cut to my to my temple, I'd have, uh, <laughs> I'd have taken it further. We said earlier about having um, those being ten random stories like your time covering Villa. Now you've heard them all. I mean, I say you've heard them all. They're all your stories, so you knew them all anyway. You knew what was coming. Have you got a favourite there? Have you got something that stands out for either a funny reason or a serious reason? Most I, I enjoyed that. All of those. I thought that was really really good. I don't. I, I mean, I don't know whether you. If you wanted to, me to end with kind of like a, a Kendrick special special message, you know, I come across like, at least probably not answering your question, but I do come across like a bit of a kind of smug ass from um, <laughs> the time. I don't take delight in falling out with with football managers or, or or anybody really, but I take pride in in asking the extra question sometimes and not always being been spoon fed and it's been a real journey over the last you know in terms of me me working on villa we are approaching nearly 14 years now um uh, and i always say to people now and i've got a season ticket with my lad and i feel like a sport brat sometimes because people would you know give their arm to to be in that press box and to, to have the privilege of, of doing the job that, that i've been able to do um and I always used to try and treat it when I was turning up to Villa Park or Old Trafford or whatever, or even, you know, Walkshire's Meadow in Stourport as being a bit like a kind of competition winner. You get, you get your ticket free, you get your, you get your car parking free, you get your, your, your free meal, you get to speak to the kind of main protagonists and stuff like that. So I'm never, never taking the privilege of it lightly, but 
from the first day, I remember Dan, and I won't rattle on too much long because this is already going to be an epic, but I remember the first time I was lucky enough to interview a player at Bodymore, and it was Olaf Melberg, and uh, I was working on the Kidderminster Shuttle at the time, covering Kidderminster Harriers, but I got some freelance work for the Mercury, and I went to see Melberg, and the training ground was the old training ground rather than the, the new kind of state-of-the-art facility it was now. And I was starstruck, and I looked at Melberg, and he got these glorious, piercing blue eyes. I think I got a bit of a kind of bloke crush on him. Um, but I think he was—I think he said something really boring. And I thought I can't leave an interview with a player with me not having tried to get a player to say something interesting or quirky or different. Mm. And um, I think that's been—that's been my motto, and that's why I probably haven't been—I haven't eaten out the hands of clubs as much as they perhaps would like, because sometimes I think that they can spoon feed your stuff and they can sanitize stuff. And to me, and again, I got a vested interest in, in football clubs and footballers telling interesting stories. But to me, I don't think one club has ever sold one less season ticket or one less replica shirt because there's been a bit of pantomime or controversy or a manager slagged off an opposition manager. Mm. And I think to try and kind of sanitise stuff and make it seem as if all footballers are perfect and all football clubs are these utopian paradises doesn't do it for me. They're human beings. They're fallible. So let's start telling some of the stories around the edges. And I think I think that has probably got me in trouble with a few people in football because they don't always like you to ask the extra question. Um, mm. But, you know, until they buy tens of thousands of copies of the paper or they visit our website in their millions, we're not writing for them. We write it for readers and we write it for football fans. Uh, so I know that sounds a bit preachy and a little bit, you know, a little bit lame, but that's that's my justification for behaving like an ass all of these years. That's a lovely heartwarming Christmas message, isn't it, James? Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. It's nice, isn't it? It's, yeah, I just annoy everyone. Do do things my way. I think that's a, a wrap for our Christmas special. There's one more thing that we're going to film in a second and bolt on to the episode, which is Secret Santa. There's mine for Matt, if you're watching on YouTube. Mine is just down there, and it's massive, by the way. Um, what's the caption on yours, Matt? What was the tag? Big fat bald head. Hold <laughs> <laughs> no context, Kendo. It's a double double field gift. It's a bit for a bit of content out of you. Did you, um, did you see what my wife said about it? No, go on. Well, I did, but go on, tell us. Yeah, that she, because um, I'd left it, I got out of the car and I'd left it in the in the porch before, uh, uh, I don't know why, really, I think I must have had my hands full. And because um, it said big, fat, bald head, there's some, some local kind of youths who um, I chased down the road once because they were giving me giving me stick and they called me baldy and shouted at me. Um, so my wife thought it was them. She thought somebody had left me a turd in a box. Um, <laughs> so she's quite relieved to know. <laughs> well, we don't, we don't know what it is yet. It could be, uh, could be a turn in a box. Sure, okay. Anyway, it has now because yeah. uh, James, yours hasn't arrived yet. So we'll, you and I, we'll get you and Ash on at a later date and do it. Do you want to go first, Matt, or shall I open mine first? Yeah, I'll open mine first. Do I need to do That's it in a neat way? Tear the paper off. No, no, you can do what you want, yeah. mate. No, it's not I hope you like it. Also, but before you open it, before you open it, yeah, you might need some scissors for that tape. By the way, I forgot about. <laughs> oh. I'll do it, it mate. Open, yeah. But before we say, 
we said about Secret Santa, this was your idea, first of all, and you said, but let's all just buy each other some Aston Villa tat. That was your sell for this, by the way. So before you start ranting off about, oh, this is rubbish, that this is the idea, it isn't supposed to be good, although I do think what I've got you is quite good. All right, well, if we're putting disclaimers yeah. in, my, yeah. the one I bought you is a load of tat as well, but um, <laughs> it's, it's tat with a lot of thought going into it. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, I, I think what I've got... Is, what, what, how many raps? What's this? Will you pass the pass? You want to be singing the Darren Bent song until the music stops? I want you to yeah, open that one first. Can we can we see it a little bit better? Lift it up, Matt. I mean, this is rubbish for the audio listeners, by the way. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Do you love it? What That's is it? Brilliant. No, I really so, do. Oh, I'm having that. Oh. Look who it is. Can you see? It's David, David Platt. David Platt. <laughs> Oh, it's my favourite. Well, I don't know why he's wearing number nine. <laughs> and I don't so, know why he's got hair, because he's got a bigger slap head than me normally. But uh, oh, there we go. So It's just a bloke, isn't it, actually? So I saw this on eBay. I searched for David Platt. And on the photo, I've showed James the photo, and it's like got no context. Like you can't you can't see by anything. So in my head, I was thinking it was going to be like this tall, like seven or eight inches tall. And first of all, it looks nothing like David Platt, which that makes it funnier. Second, I was like, I'm pretty sure he's number eight, and the little figure's got him as number nine. So I thought, that's funny. And then when it arrived to me, and it's like two inches tall, that makes it's it all the more fun. It's massive. I, I thought it was like a big, like table desktop kind of thing. But even then, when you what? said that, Dan, I thought it was going to be like this big, like little yeah. tiny Sabutio thing. It's it's pretty. It is good. Look at this. It gets bigger than the nearest to the camera. Look. I love that actually. I'm actually yeah. quite touched. Oh, I'm a bit dis- can I can I come and swap mine that I bought you? <laughs> Before you, really. Before you open the second one, this is what Matt's bought me, by the way. Look how big it is. It's heavy. I'm, yeah. I don't, I'm concerned about what's inside it. That's just all the wrapping, man. It's actually a tiny little Yukuba seller. <laughs> Wearing number one. <laughs> what we got here? A hat for me bald head. Is that a woolly hat to cover your big fat bald head? <laughs> Quite like that. I've done well, That's a good gift. <laughs> Villains on the front with an eye, which I didn't like when I yeah, opened it. Yeah, I was going to correct that, but I thought it'd be ungrateful if I start subbing your, um, subbing yeah, your Christmas I, present. I didn't notice until I bought it, but I thought I'll get you a little jokey gift, the David Platt thing, which you actually really like, which is a bonus. <laughs> and the hat is actually a nice, an actual nice gift. Yeah, for the That's benefit kind of, of our, for our audio listeners, it looks like genuinely like a terrible, like straight to DVD 8 mile remake. <laughs> 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 I bet yeah. your head's lovely and warm, isn't it? It is lovely and warm, actually, yeah. Uh, I'm actually touched by these presents, Daniel. Thank you very because much. Because you, I mean, you said just get some tat, and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to get something good. So it's just, it's just the kind of guy I am, mate. Yeah, well, what yeah. I would say is when you open mine, I've um, stuck to the brief. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, remember what we did pick out first, which is, and I'm not lying, Matt, you were going to probably get a uh, job lot of, you know, the PowerPod figurines. <laughs> I don't mind then. Listen, yeah, but seven. You would have got seventy-two joke holes. Oh, joke hole! <laughs> it was a pack of seventy-two, and it was like, what was it, ten quid or something for it? It was like twelve quid for seventy-two joke hole. Joke hole in, I think, in this villa shirt, maybe. Um, figurines. <laughs> it's funny. Oh, joke hole. Sounds like the um, sounds like the worst line from Twelve Days of Christmas, doesn't it? <laughs> I was very tempted to just go and just get you one, and then be like, here's another box, and there'll be another seventy-one in. So I go deal with it <laughs> but I didn't no I'm loving this I like the Platt because he's my favourite player yeah and I know listen we know how we airbrush Villa we go back to a previous episode to hear me arguing that and 
this hat will actually have a really good functional purpose for me because I will wear my hat as I walk around the block during my 2021 fitness regime oh, of nice. getting off the arse and moving. Should I open mine? Yeah, it's delicate, so be gentle. What? So I'm going to guess before I open it. I think it's a picture frame is what I think it is. Um, it's wrapped very well. Is this your wrapping or have you got someone to do it for you? No, my wife's wrapped that for me. Um, oh, right. And once you've opened it, I will we'll give some shout-outs to a couple of grown-ups who have helped me. Okay, okay, so right, here we go. <laughs> wow. It is a massive surprise. Right? So it is a picture frame. <laughs> 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 oh, excellent. Okay, right. So I don't know how well this is going to come across on camera. So it's like <laughs> motivational quotes and then a claret and blue mug in the middle and the quotes. I'm going to read them out. <laughs> Are these real comments? These are real comments, yes. <laughs> I love this, by the way. So I'll put some proper footage of this in, I think. So the first one, top right, says, you with the big nose is boring. Jonathan O'Grady from YouTube. <laughs> Excellent. We've also got Sim King 1874 from iTunes who says, you're better than this, Dan. Stick to producing great content, his boundaries, as opposed to churning out this for the sake of it for 50-year-old Birmingham male readers to listen to whilst they're on their overpaid bin rounds. That was one of my, my favourite comments we ever had, so I've now got that immortalised in print. Well, Steve Wollaston has, has stuck the words. Of, I, I, I wanted to dig out the kind of waterfalls and the emotional graphics, so I've done that, yeah. and I've dug out the quotes. Woolies, Woolies married the two together, uh, and my wife has printed them off the correct size, and the, the, she's the only one who could handle a pair of scissors to cut them out. Um, so it looks quite smart, doesn't it? It does, but I've just read, I've just read another one. I mean, it's the gift that keeps on giving, this one. So this one was from Jags P on iTunes. He says, the host lets this podcast down, not knowing how many points Villa have, won, Villa have won in a relegation battle, to forgetting games, which only happened a few months ago. There are plenty more knowledgeable Aston Villa podcasts out there. I mean, it's factually correct, that 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 review, so... <laughs> oh, Merry Christmas, everybody. That's so cruel. Thank you very much for tuning in to our Christmas special. First of all, that first part with the, the 10 stories of Matt Kendrick's Christmas campfire, or whatever we've decided to call this later down the line. Matt Kendrick's boring granddad Christmas stories, uh, while we also can't see our family, whatever the title is. I absolutely loved it. It's such a good idea to do. So many good stories, and then I hope that people watching along at Christmas time, whether this is in the, in the start of the new year when they've got some more time. But, I mean, what is anyone doing at Christmas? You might as well stick a podcast on, haven't you? We've got nothing else to do. So um, we hope that you've enjoyed it as well. Also, we hope you enjoyed the podcast for the whole of 2020. Difficult year for, for obvious reasons. We didn't even know how the podcast would go when things went for, first went into lockdown in March. So the fact that we've now to keep it going, and not only just going, but from strength to strength over the last few months is, um, is really great for us all. Um, so yeah thanks everyone who's, who's tuned in and supported us and here's to 2021 being better in, in every aspect yeah. Merry Christmas Merry Christmas everyone thank you for listening to Claret and Blue an Aston Villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode until then up the villa up the villa